is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. You're listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Laura Tolhook on our show today. As a certified human resource leader and the proprietor of Essential HR, Laura knows that when a business faces HR problems, there is no room for ambiguity, only positive results. For the last 15 years, she's blended sound HR practices with her pragmatic approach to improve business performance. Now, Laura leads a team of HR professionals as they navigate complex HR situations with managers, help guide decisions, and instill confidence with actionable steps. In her spare time, Laura enjoys the company of her husband and two children. The kids continue to help her hone her leadership skills of negotiation and compromise. And after a decade, her husband is starting to warm up to the performance reviews. I love that. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Laura. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kayla. It's a pleasure being here. Right back at you. So before we dive into the conversation today, what's really the one thing that you want our audience to take away from our chat? Yeah, absolutely. The one thing I would say is the importance of knowing who you are as a business Mm -hmm. and the impact that that will make in the difference in the team that you're able to build. Mm -hmm. And in terms of um, who you are as a business, is that something that you think is core at the very beginning of of setting the intention of your business? Or is it a reflection on, you know, where you are at at a particular journey? I think that could be complicated, especially during COVID-19, that, you know, what your intentions were last February could be very different as to where you land now. How do you balance that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to be a mixture of where you are right now and who you want to be as well. So what kind of team are you trying to build and what type of environment do you have currently and what are you working towards as well? Mm. And defining those things for yourself so that you're able to eloquently or at least with clarity provide that information to potential candidates. Mm. Fantastic. So let's start at the beginning. What is Essential HR? How did it come to be? um, And how is your business different than others in the same industry? Because I can appreciate there are potentially a number of, of sort of HR advisors or supporters that we can see across Canada. So I grew up with a family who owned a small business. Mm -hmm. And even after I went to university and started working for large businesses in the HR field, I realized that small businesses also needed the support of an HR professional. Mm -hmm. So just because there was 10 people on their team didn't mean that they didn't have tough questions that needed answered as well. Mm -hmm. 
So I decided to start Essential HR to really help small businesses with those teams of five to 50 people be able to build the structures and have the support that they needed without having a full-time HR person on their team. Mm -hmm. So then as I started this business and I realized the flexibility that I appreciated with the business, um, I realized that there was other passionate professionals who may not also want the, the regular nine to five and who are looking for that flexible, remote type of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So then when we started building our team, we built it to look for people who were passionate about what they did in the HR field, but who are also passionate about what they did outside of their their career. And that's how we've built our team with Essential HR thus far. Amazing. So talk to us a little bit about the idea of an employer brand versus a company brand. Why are why do you think that building a really strong employer brand is important? And even maybe before that, what does that even mean? What is an yeah. employer brand? <laughs> That's a great question. So when we think about our big brands, we'll, we'll go with the big brands mm -hmm. to start. So we think of the, you know, WestJet, Starbucks, Winners, HomeSense, uh, Lululemon. They, when we have those names of those companies in our head, we automatically associate certain terms, certain ideas with those brands as a customer. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to flip that around and think WestJet, who are they as an employer? What do you know of them as an employer? What do you know of Starbucks or, you know, the, the HomeSense brand as an employer? What do we know about Lululemon? And what are the adjectives, what are the, the feelings and the thoughts around who we think they are as an employer? Mm. And that's their employer brand as we perceive it. So as opposed to just thinking about, you know, the colors and, and what the quality is, we're starting to think about how are they perceived as an employer? And this is really important in, for small business because we are competing as small business owners for the same top talent as these companies. So knowing who you are as an employer is very important to understanding how you can really put your best foot forward when you are attracting and retaining the best talent. Because we might not as small employers have the biggest salary budgets or maybe have these great corporate ladder opportunities or ping pong tables in our lunchroom. Mm -hmm. um, but here's the secret. The biggest salary doesn't necessarily win the candidate. And, you know, corporate ladder might not be your top candidate's vision for themselves. Mm -hmm. And most of those ping pong tables probably aren't even being used. So knowing who you are as an organization will be able to help you put your best foot forward so that you can truly give the credence to all the amazing things that you have going for you as an employer. And particularly now in such an evolving environment that, you know, remote work being a potential benefit pre-COVID that some businesses were offering, some weren't, or, you know, just the environment and where and how we work has changed so much. How can companies really establish their employer brand when the terms keep changing, when their environment keeps changing, and when the um, offerings that the company can put into play might be impacted by, you know, decrease in revenue or just shifting their business altogether? How can people work through that at this difficult time? I think there's a sincerity to understanding who you are as an employer as well. Mm -hmm. And so though everything may be changing around us, there's still some core values that each small business owner has in what they dream their team to be and what their team actually is um, potentially at this point. And that might not just be physical. It might not be financial. There's going to be engagement. There's going to be that community feel that employers have. And that sincerity of the hiring manager is what's going to win over a potential candidate versus 
you know, the hard facts of numbers and corporate ladder opportunities. It's going to be that relationship. And that relationship is part of your employer brand. Laura, are there any resources or tools um, that you'd like to point our network to based on today's conversation? Yeah, so we've created this download for you, and it's called The Five Steps to Aligning and Defining Your Employer Brand. And it will really help you think through those areas that you might not be thinking are part of your employer brand. And it can be found at essentialhr.ca slash thrive. Fantastic. Well, that's a that's a slash thrive. I think something that our Thrive <laughs> listeners will definitely be able to remember. Fabulous. And so looking for those that are potentially growing or even hiring at the moment, what advice do you have around interview questions or managing that process to seek out really compatible employees? So for you, you know, looking at different part-time or flexible roles, how do you gauge um, candidates and the best fit through interviews? That's a great question. So when we started looking for part-time flex roles, it was something that was new to me because I hate usually hired full-time roles in previous role in previous jobs. And it was a little bit scary, I'll be honest, because I thought, well, what if somebody doesn't want part-time? What if they judge us for only hiring part-time? And, mm. and what I came to realize is when I went looking for work, I was looking for part-time roles mm. and it was for very specific reasons. And so I said, I'm not the only one out there. So we started really leaning into this idea of part-time flex roles mm -hmm. for people who are passionate about things outside of, again, the nine to five. Mm -hmm. And so what I've realized is that you have to be upfront, mm. be who you are and be upfront. So even though, you know, you might be thinking, oh, they might want 40 hours, then they're not for you. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions we always like to ask is, you know, why do you want to take on flexible work? Mm. What is it about the flexible work opportunities that is of interest to you? But you really want to dig deeper into that because people can kind of give give a you know top line answer mm -hmm. that really maybe is not what they're feeling so we want to dig into what is the minimum number of hours that you're looking to work and what is the max mm -hmm. and what is your ideal to really find out if they're the right fit for what we have to offer mm. the other thing we love to dig deep into is what are you passionate about you might have all the skills and abilities we have uh, for the role, but what are you passionate about? Why is this part-time flexible work something that you're really looking for? Mm. And we recently just hired an individual who I think she was nervous about it. And she had a, a side business that she started. And I said, no, I don't want you to be giving us 40 hours and forgetting about the whole reason that you left the corporate world in the first mm. place. And she was pretty blown away by that because we said, no, you have to have outside interests, whether that be family, whether that be, you know, your your child's sports career, whether that be rescuing dogs. You need to have that passion outside of the business for us to feel that you're giving your all within the business as well. Mm, amazing. And, and one component that really struck a chord with me was, um, you know, in interviews, really getting deeper, getting crunchy pieces of information from the candidates to really assess that fit. I know as a hiring manager, I have often been very challenged during interview with candidates giving me the answers they think that I want to hear, uh, as opposed to their actual genuine feelings. Do you have any tips for really getting to the core of, of the candidates that you're talking to and, and being able to assess fit, not just maybe in looking at part-time roles or flex roles or, or the passion that they have, um, but really um, you know, assessing their, their capacity for taking on these types of jobs? For sure. So always trying to get stories out of individuals. One of the questions I love to ask mm -hmm. is, tell me about a job you were in where you really enjoyed the team environment mm -hmm. and tell me about the people on that team. 
What was it that you really enjoyed working with them? Or same with the manager. Tell me about a time where you really enjoyed working for a certain manager. What was it about that manager? Because typically when you're in an interview, you say, you know, tell me what time manager you like working for. And they say, oh, well, I can work with one who's on, you know, hands on or hands off, either one. No, tell me your favorite manager and what was it about them? And that's really going to get you more honed in on those individual questions. But what we have to also understand is these are tough questions. They're not mm-hmm. typical HR, you know, interview questions. And it might take somebody a little bit more time to come up with a, a good response that's true to them and allowing them that opportunity to take the time to think of that story. Mm, good point. That's a really excellent point that, yeah, taking that strategic pause for them to really assess and think thoroughly, like that's, you want the quality answer. So create the conditions to get that quality answer. Yeah, usually we get that dead space and, and it just makes it more awkward with every second that goes on rather than allowing them the time to think it through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've definitely sat at both ends of the table with that <laughs> silence that resonates with me. So in thinking of um, you know hiring incorrectly, and I think many hiring managers, particularly in small teams, um, obviously notice when the fit isn't there or when they've potentially made a hiring mistake. How do you avoid the costs of hiring incorrectly? What advice do you have either through the interview process, through identifying candidates um, that could help entrepreneurs and those that are incredibly busy already avoid the cost of hiring incorrectly? So the two main documents that you're going to want on hand mm-hmm. in order to make help you make the best hiring decision is your job description and your interview guide. Mm-hmm. And your job description is what's going to give you the clarity for what you are looking for. And you know what the job description does for us really as hiring managers is it gives us the clarity. Mm. Like it not only gives the the potential employee clarity about what the role is, but it gives us clarity in, in what we're really looking for. Because when we have to put it on paper, you know, when that pencil hits the paper, it, there's a lot more thought that goes into it rather than the abstract. Mm-hmm. And then the second is your interview guide. So that's going to ensure that you're actually asking the questions that you need to get the answers that you need to hear. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people love the off the cuff interview and, you know, the the go with their gut. And it's just a conversation. And that is great to provide that environment. But at the end of the day, your gut is going to fail you. And having that interview guide to help back you up is going to make sure that that gut decision is also, you know, layered in with some some hard facts and some hard questions. Mm. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first hires that we made, I, I was on the phone with her and, and having a conversation and we just got into talking and we got into collaborating and we really hit it off so well. And I thought, this is the right person. She is fantastic. And then when the hard numbers hit, she actually couldn't do the work. Mm-hmm. And that was because my gut told me she is a great individual and she is a great individual. And, you know, we'd still go for coffee and we're still good friends. But what I was looking for for in, for an HR business consultant, she actually didn't have those strengths. Mm-hmm. But I was so glossed over from the idea that, you know, we connected mm-hmm. and that gut felt right that it was a bad hire. That, I, that reminds me of my first hiring process years ago, uh, the first person I ever interviewed. Um, I remember going through and I had my interview guide, but I answered the questions for the candidate <laughs> through the interview that was sort of, you know, what type of manager are you looking for? Well, the managers that we have here are XYZ. Is that the type of management that you like? And I just, it was it was not a conversation. And I and it, because I, I resonated with her and really, you know, connected with her on almost a personal level, yeah. that it compromised the integrity 
integrity of the interview um, and uh, and definitely did not position either of us for success. So it's it's not an easy position for, for people to be taking this on. Um, and I'm sure, you know, through Essential HR and, and the resources and tools that you can provide, making this uh, a more straightforward and structured process is, is really helpful for entrepreneurs. And it gives you confidence in those decisions. Mm-hmm. You exactly. know you've asked the right questions and there's not, there's no st- stone unturned now. Mm. Let's talk about the importance of an offer letter. Um, can you give us some insights based on your experience? What is you know the, the true importance of the, the offer letter as distinct from just you know paperwork that gets completed through this process and why a handshake won't necessarily help employers? <laughs> yeah. So oftentimes in our small business, we like things to be casual. We like things to have that personal feel. We don't want to feel, you know, legalese and corporate-y. And so often we rely on, you know, some practices like, you know, a handshake or just an email or the yes is yes. And unfortunately, what we're doing is we're giving away the protection of our business. Mm. So that offer letter is the single most important document that will protect your business and provide clarity to the candidate. So really it outlines how you're going to start the relationship and how you would potentially end the relationship. Mm. And the thing about offer letters is is they can be very legalese. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be, but they can be. There's ways around it. But you want to make sure the important things are in there that will protect your business, like confidentiality, like the termination agreement, um, all of those things that will really make a difference because nobody goes into an employment relationship with the idea that it's going to end, except if you're in HR. That's all we really see sometimes. But uh, so that and that contract, if it hasn't been looked at, if that offer letter hasn't been looked at for your business in about a year or two, you probably want some eyes on it because contract law changes so quickly mm-hmm. and we need to keep up to date with what's th- what the courts have told us we needed in those letters to make them viable. And specifically for small businesses and startups and those that may only have a handful of staff that wear so many different hats. I know I've certainly struggled with this. How do you craft an offer letter that provides clarity around the expectations, around what the roles and responsibilities will be, but honoring what bootstrapping a business actually looks like and what a startup environment can look like in, you know, taking on things that you may not have anticipated being a part of your quote job description? How do you navigate that balance? You know, that is really about the communication. Mm. And that's going to go even before the offer letter, Mm. Uh, really giving somebody the inside vision as to what it's going to look like so that there are are limited new information upon the first day. Mm -hmm. And then that startup environment and the potential changes that can occur, that's something you want a professional to be looking at to get into writing for you so that, you know, you're not getting yourself stuck into a corner, into a situation. So whether you have, a, you know, uh, an employment lawyer who can help you or uh, somebody in the HR field who can help you, that's going to be something that you really don't want to Google. Mm. Uh, it's going it's to be one, be customized to your province, to, you know, th- whether the state, um, and it's something you really want to know and have confidence in that it's going to protect you when you need it to protect you. Mm. And so starting off on the right foot with, with this employer, so, so pulling on that string, why is the first week of employment the most critical for an employee's success? What are the sort of the actions or the different tactics that you would recommend for new employers um, to really set up their new hires for success, especially now in this yeah. very strange environment we find ourselves <laughs> in? <laughs> so you've put all this time into hiring. You've put all this mm-hmm. um, effort and this emotional, really, uh, aspect to the hiring. And now you want 
to solidify to them that they made a good decision. Mm. And what we often do, uh, because a small business, let's be honest, we're busy. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had extra time to just sit around and, and have coffee with multiple people at multiple times, um, we wouldn't probably need to hire somebody new. We're hiring because we're busy. And so what we often do is we forget about the person. Um, so we bring them in, we have a great morning, and then we give them all kinds of documents uh, to read for the afternoon. And at two o'clock, they're sitting in a desk with three pens, a notepad, and staring at a wall, wondering how they're going to fill the next two hours, let alone the next four days in this week. Mm. So having a plan, having some kind of training plan, having an outline, an agenda for the people who are coming on board, the ones that you've worked so hard to find is going to only help you solidify that hiring decision. And they actually say that individuals who have a strong onboarding, so a strong first day, first week, first month, are going to be more loyal to the organization and stay longer. Mm. So all of that brain power that you've brought in and now that the the training that you've put into that person is only going to pay back in, you know, length of service Mm -hmm. and in engagement down the road. Mm, and, and that makes perfect sense. And obviously, if the foundation is stronger, the house is going to be stronger as opposed to the shakier foundation that you're building this this longer term relationship with. You want to make sure you're getting that um, really solidified from the get go. Right. And people want to work. Mm, <laughs> you know, I don't know about you if you've ever had that onboarding experience where you're staring at a paper and wondering how long it's going to take you to read this and what you're going to do for the next 90 minutes after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a great feeling. Like you want to get in there. You want to get your hands dirty. You want to make an impact right off the bat. So if there's ways that you can work that right into an employee's onboarding so that they feel they're contributing right away, that's going to make them feel engaged. It's going to make them feel that they've really, you know, made the right decision. Mm. And in terms of introducing like objectives or performance metrics early into that process as well, how do you recommend doing that with new hires before you've potentially assessed their capabilities, their expertise in, in you know, different areas? How do cre- you create um, success metrics so they know where they're headed to and what success looks like for them? A great job description actually have the objectives and performance metrics built right into it. Mm -hmm. And though some people shy away and we want to let them ease in, we don't want to overwhelm them. um, Most of the people I've ever talked to have never shied away as a, as a new employee to understanding their role with clarity and understanding what is expected of them. Mm -hmm. Most people would say, please give me that, those objectives, please give me those metrics so that I can truly know what I'm working towards. Mm -hmm. So though we tried, oh, we don't want to overwhelm them, we don't want to, you know, we want to ease them in, I would never hesitate to give that to somebody on day one. Mm, interesting. Okay. I'm writing that down for my own personal uh, usage. I think that's so interesting that, you know, you want to be clear and honest and transparent. And and what I'm seeing is that that is at so many steps of both the hiring process, the onboarding, the letters, just clarity um, being a a huge enabler to a, a new hire success. Yeah. So on day one, they now know that the role that they've you know, stepped into and how it affects the overall strategy of the business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is such a strong engagement factor mm-hmm. for employees and teams. Mm-hmm. 
Agreed. And particularly over the last couple of months, obviously it has been a very challenging time for many small businesses. Um, and while some, you know, are hiring and, and booming, many are other making are making very tough, challenging decisions mm-hmm. um, and having to lay off. So how do you recommend to small business owners as they're navigating all of this uncertainty um, to be connecting with their staff and making sure that they feel engaged and that there is still this line of sight for them to invest their time and energy into the business as an employee, but understanding, you know, the game is changing and, you know, the environment is changing and the promises that were potentially made pre-COVID might not be honored in the same way that they were afterwards. Um, How would you have any tips really on, on entrepreneurs that are navigating these waters? Yeah, I think we have to understand that as leaders, we set the tone for the organization Mm. and we can also drain the energy of an organization. Mm. So when we come in in the morning to a team and our energy isn't, you know, at a eight or higher, we actually take the energy from other people. And so people are looking to the leaders to say, okay, what's next? And if they come in in the morning and they're pumped to go and they're having a great morning and the leader is is stressed and Lord knows we're all stressed mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, businesses have to make tough decisions and maybe there are sleepless nights, um, but that is going to affect your team and your team will play off of that energy. Mm-hmm. So number one is, you know, whatever you have to do, make sure that your energy and your, you know, that level of uh, you know, that, that brain synapses, those, those snaps mm. that you're connecting with other people are on target. Put mm-hmm. all your effort towards that because you need to lead the team and you need to lead the energy of the room. Mm-hmm. And then the second is the clarity. Mm-hmm. You know, we can communicate things as we know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can explain that things are going to change. Mm-hmm. A lack of communication isn't going to help the situation. Mm-hmm. Changing communication is okay. As long as we're being upfront about it and saying, this is what's happening today. We might not know what happens next week, but providing that clarity for the, for the team, I think is, is more important than anything else. Mm, completely agree. And, and that I think has popped up in so many conversations we've had on the Thrive Podcast. If that's with your employees, if that's with your um, investors, if that's with stakeholders, this communications piece during change is so essential um, to making sure that everybody's on the same page and that, um, you know, over-communicating is, is the, the, potential default posture you should be approaching as mm-hmm. opposed to just staying silent and, and sort of backing yourself into a corner and being fearful uh, that saying something might result in saying the wrong thing or, or getting yourself into a different situation. And that's where having, you know, that, that brain trust of another, you know, whether it's another business owner, whether it's part of a mastermind, whether it's an HR support person that you can bounce those ideas off of. How should I say this? When should I say this? Should it be written? Should it be oral? Those types of, of questions, we all need that support. Mm. We all need that person that we can go to. So making sure that you can find that person that, you know, when you're the leader, that you have somebody you can also go to, whether it's inside the business or outside the business is super important. Mm, completely agree. So, so many great lessons, Laura. Wow, this is, you know, I'm taking vigorous notes as I always do in, in uh, these interviews, but this is so helpful and really, really crunchy feedback. I think that many um, entrepreneurs can can take, uh, you know, after this conversation to really implement. Um, if you had to create one actionable piece of advice that you'd want to leave our audience with today, what would that piece of advice be, Laura? So think through who you are as an employer. Mm. And we all know that elevator pitch that we've had, whether for business or for personal reasons. Um, I want you to make the elevator pitch for who you are as an employer. 
So thinking through, whether it's your physical workspace, your team, your atmosphere, the connection that you have with your team members or or your community, what are what is it that makes you unique as an employer and would draw people towards your business? And just like we most often don't like talking about ourselves or putting our own bio together, this may be tough, but this is what's gonna make the difference when you're competing for top candidates in order to attract them to your organization. Great piece of advice, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us on the Thrive Podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.